The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. We're back. A very warm welcome. And would you believe, Robbie Earl and Robbie Musto, season eight wow. on NBC for the Premier League. Robbie Earl <laughs> doesn't look a day older than he did in 2013. And then there's Robbie Musto as well. <laughs> Gentlemen, good morning. It's lovely to see you. Everyone is super excited. Let's yeah. talk about what is coming up. What are you most excited about, Robbie Earl? Well, we're excited and can't wait for the kickoff, Rebecca. But I, I was thinking about the managers and listening to the press conferences yesterday. And I'm kind of thinking as a manager, you're somewhere between pressure, hope and expectation. Let's talk about Jurgen Klopp. Want to go back to back. There's a hope that Liverpool can do that. But go down to, to Pep Guardiola at Manchester City. There's pressure on Pep. 18 points behind Liverpool. Nine defeats in the season. One League Cup. It's not good enough for Manchester City. They've got to be so much better. Chelsea, Frank Lampard, the talent that they've bought at that football club tells you that they are going to have to compete. And Frank, interestingly, said, I enjoyed pressure when I was a player and I'm enjoying the pressure when I'm managing. I'm thinking, God, that's, that's a tough gig. And then you look at Manchester United, Spurs and Arsenal, who've all got to go to what we call the next level, got to be competitive. New players coming into the football clubs. And then I even go to the, the teams that may think, well, we're reasonably safe. Let, let's say a Southampton, maybe a Crystal Palace, even Wolves, Sheffield United. At the start of last season, Watford and Bournemouth would have thought, ah, we'll, we'll be OK. They're now in the Championship. Everywhere you look, there's pressure, hope and expectancy. That is the Premier League. Every <laughs> club has a story and there's pressure everywhere. <clears throat> what is the headline grabber for you? For me, it's the other four of the top six. And what have they done to close that gap on the top two? We know about Man City. We know about the strengths of Liverpool. Um, and as I look at the market right now, City and Liverpool haven't significantly strengthened their squad. So, OK, over to the other four. North London, Spurs definitely will be better. Jose Mourinho, full pre-season, a short one, but he's got more time to work with the players. Arsenal winning the FA Cup and the Community Shield, they're going in the right direction. But when you look at Chelsea and Manchester United and what they could potentially do, it gets pretty exciting. United, uh, Van der Beek, they brought in already a midfield player, very good player, great quality, tr tremendous options for United now in midfield. Uh, and Jadon Sancho is very much on their radar. If they bring him in, they'll be even better going forward. And Chelsea is the big story from the summer of the market. So many top, top international players coming in. If City and Liverpool drop off in any way mm. and United and Chelsea can get their stuff together, we might, might just have a four-horse race for the title. Rob, does this make the Premier League 
tougher, a, a better league than it was last season. And in some respects, can't afford a bad start. Well, they can't afford a bad start because of the way that Liverpool started last year. But I think the top six, the traditional top six, is what is, drives this league. And when they are better or, or nearing their peak, if you like, mm. we do get a better league. I feel this year, Rebecca, it's going to be a more competitive, more... Just a fascinating challenge at the top, the very top of the Premier League. The neutral does not want somebody to run away with it, like what no. happened last mm. season is what you're saying. Mm. And let's also not forget, because the season's starting a month later, this is sort of a 10-month season now squished mm. very much into nine months, which will also up the ante in terms of the pressure on these players playing much more frequently. A few other updates to bring you as we head into the new season then, season 2020-2021. The weekly COVID-19 test will be continuing for players and for staff. The Premier League will release results after each round of testing, just like during Project Restart. The season will begin behind closed doors. The hope has been for fans to return from October the 1st, but the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson said this week that those plans are being reviewed. In continuing the social justice conversation, players and officials will be wearing a No Room for Racism badge on their shirts throughout the season. What about substitutes? Well, we're back to using three subs and naming seven players on the bench. During Project Restart, it was five subs and nine players on the bench, but the clubs voted against that. They're back to normal, the three subs. No more mandatory water breaks. There will only be a cooling break were the temperature to reach 86 degrees, but in September in the UK, highly unlikely. And because of their progress in Europe over the summer, as I mentioned, both Manchester clubs have been given some extra time off. Their seasons don't begin until next weekend couple of important law and interpretation updates. Here we go. With regards to the handball, the boundary between the shoulder and the arm is now defined as the bottom of the armpit, while accidental handball is only penalised if it occurs immediately before a goal or goal-scoring opportunity. And in terms of VAR, we should be seeing increased use of the pitch-side monitors for subjective decisions. Penalties, by the way, will be retaken if the goalkeeper is completely off his line before the ball is kicked, and the assistant referees will be holding their flag for marginal offside offences. So if a goal is then scored, then VAR will review. Robbie Musto, what have you learned after that game? Uh, well, I've learned that Arsenal looks so much better, continue to improve. The new players fitted in beautifully. The central defender scores a goal from a set piece. Willian gets two assists. Uh, they won everything in midfield. Totally dominated the game. I almost learned more about Fulham. I mean, their next three games, Leeds, Villa and Wolves, they've got to show more than that. I mean, that, that, they were not competitive. And when we see that, Rob, in the league, mm. it's, it, it stands out like, wow, you're nowhere near. And I know it's Arsenal, I know it's a difficult match, but, but not even lay a glove on them, made a few changes. Um, they could be in for a difficult season, but let's you know, hold fire a little bit. Let's see how they do in the next three. Uh, but it's got to be better than that. I think... Um, Scotty will be looking at that, Rebecca, and thinking about transfer market and I need to bring some people in. It, it, it was, I thought that poor... They didn't lay a glove on Arsenal. It was as though Arsenal were playing the reserve team and having a go. From Arsenal's point of view, almost like after jumping down expectancy because Mikel Arteta's got this team well so organised. Everybody knew the role, well-disciplined. All the things I wanted from Fulham, I saw in an Arsenal team. What is Arsenal's target this year? Arsenal's target is top four. And why not? With the manager who's got them well set up, with Aubameyang scoring, looking like he's going to stay scoring goals, Lacazette getting goals. They started last season poorly, Rebecca. Only four wins in the first 13 games mm -hmm. and we're playing catch-up. If they get off to a decent start, they might get some momentum going.
I'm here with Alexander Lacazette, the goal scorer. We've scored a first goal. A very positive performance this afternoon. That's a great way to start the season. Yeah, it's the best way to start the season. We wanted to win today and uh, defensively have a clean sheet. Offensively, I think we did some good, uh, good stuff and respect what the coach wanted. At the end, we won't finish, so everyone is happy today. You say we respect what the coach wanted. Can you hear him throughout the game? It's like he's directing events from the touchline. Yeah, exactly. He wants he want us to be perfect. Uh, we work a lot in, uh, in a week for, for this kind of game because we know it's really important for the season. And, uh, yeah, we have to respect for, respect for what he wants. And, and, and you've, got, you've got Arsenal off to a great start with your, with your first goal. And, of course, it's something you did a couple of seasons ago as well, scored the first goal in the Premier League. In, in terms of goal scoring, do you have to keep this goal scoring every week because of the competition there are now for forward places at the club? Yeah, as well for, for the team, for, for the club, because we have a lot of big ambition. Uh, we know Bas going to score a lot of season, a lot of goals this season. So I want to to help the team to to be on top. I know it's my job. It's not only to play and do the link up. So I try to do my best to help the team. Mikel Arteta gave you a big high five as you came off the pitch. I mean, there's been a lot of speculation about your future. Are you happy here? Look that way. Yeah. I'm really happy. Uh, it's only the the press and. Uh, people who say I'm not happy, I want to leave. But me, from the beginning, I say I'm happy with Arsenal and uh, I want to play, win title. We won title uh, last month, so I'm happy with Arsenal. And, and if there's any positive today, it's the, the third goal goes in. The, the players didn't fold, didn't crumble, they could have done. I think that's going to be a big big test for us. We, we can't afford because this is there's a realism here and there's a realism from me and, there's a, and, and that's going to be installed in this team. Teams what struggle in this division are teams what's Keep, keep letting defeats get to them. I understand we're going to lose football matches. We may lose two, three on the bounce. That's, that's where we are. That's, that's where we are as a team and, and as a football club. And of course we want, to, we want to get better. But the most important thing is, is to not let these defeats build up, build up and become a, big, a bigger issue really. Interesting words there from Scott Parker, the Fulham <coughs> manager. Robbie yeah. L, you know him pretty well. Yeah. What's the most important part of his job, dealing with a, with, with a team of players who, as he said there, yeah. may well have to face defeat week in, week out? To stay in level, not getting too down when, when they get beat, not getting too up when they win. What I would, would expect, Rebecca, is on Monday morning, the training ground is different. Because all of a sudden, these players have tasted what Premier League football and the challenge is about. Training harder, more focus, maybe more time on, on, on video analysis and all that. Got to do basics better. Didn't defend well today and it got beat easily by Arsenal. We heard from Lacazette there. Quick line about his strike partner and Aubameyang. Looks like he's about to sign a three-year deal. How mm. big for Arsenal? Oh, huge. Absolutely huge. And to be honest, I wasn't sure he was going to do that this summer. So it's a, it's a tremendous get. And just finish up on those Arsenal front three, I've just made a note. That looks pretty exciting, by the way. Lacazette scoring, William involved, Aubameyang does his thing. If they can stay fit, that might be a consistent front three mm. with good kind of foundation stuff behind that can really catapult Arsenal this season. Virgil, how on earth do we sum that one up? <laughs> Eventful. Um, something that we obviously expected, the intensity at least. Obviously, nobody wants to concede goals. And... Uh, but yeah, it was an intense game for both sides. A lot of running, a lot of 1v1, um, counter-attack on counter-attack. So it was something that we expected. We trained on it and uh, we know this could happen. If the match was ups and downs, is it fair to say they were good and bad for yourself as well? Personally? Hmm. Oh, it's rare mistakes. We don't usually see mistakes from you, certainly that don't lead to goals. 
Yeah, well, you know, it's one of those, I think, a situation that could happen. Um, you know, I'm, I tried to do my best, and that's what I did as well. And unfortunately, came a goal out of it, but I don't worry about that. And talking of the best, is that Mo back to his best again today as well? Was there ever any doubt that he was always at that level anyway? Well, that's that's the media. That's you guys who are doubting him. Um, obviously, we appreciate it, and him, and that's the most important thing for him as well. So we don't uh, we don't we don't see the negative part of all of what the media said. Interesting, Robbie Earl. Um, mm. They're obviously not delighted because they conceded three goals. And yeah. Virgil van Dijk, as he talks about there, did, did make a mistake. What mm. do you think Jurgen Klopp will take from that game today? He'll take the three points, Rebecca. That's important. Um, as reigning champions, you want to win that first game. He'll also take and be able to deliver a message that if they take anything for granted, mm. they believe that not all the hard work, all the intensity, defending well, not being sloppy, I think, as Lee Dixon said during commentary, if, if they take their foot off the gas they're going to find trouble. And, and that was a real warning that they, they managed to, to outscore Leeds, but Leeds caused them all kinds of problems. So in a funny way, could that serve as a good lesson to kick off the season, as a kind of anti-complacency lesson, if you like? Probably, yeah. I mean, it, it, obviously they have to take something from it. What surprised me there, Van Dijk saying, we expected that from Leeds. Well, the intensity. Well, yeah, but they didn't do a very good job then. Mm. If they expected Leeds to be on the front foot and to be intense and to be, to be counter-attacking... Then, then they, they looked like they were surprised to me. It looked like they were surprised the way that Leeds were playing, the amount of players they had forward, the amount of runs that was going in behind their defence, and they weren't ready for it. Trent Alexander-Arnold got caught out, Van Dijk got caught out, and there was other situations where Leeds looked like they were going to get yeah. in behind him multiple times. So if they were prepared for that, they didn't do a very good job in, in carrying out what they should have been ready for. Interesting. Leeds' perspective. Robbie talked before the game about how Marcelo Bielsa only plays one way and likes to have control on the ball and press high up. How do you think they will now approach the rest of the season, just based on that 90, 90 minutes? They've put a marker down, Rebecca. And, and all our, our viewers who didn't know what all the noise was about, that is Leeds United. Leeds leave you with something, an impression, an emotion about the football club. It's not just the size of the fan base. It's not just the history. Under Bielsa, they're going to play good football and they will dominate the ball as they did today against Liverpool and teams will have trouble dealing with it. Agree. Amazing. I, I just thought it was absolutely amazing to, to have that approach to go toe-to-toe -to -toe in your first game back away at the Champions and to say, you know what, I don't care if we're going to get caught out midfield. We're going to throw people forward when we have possession. You know, we'll, we'll talk more about this as mm. the season goes on, but I, I was astonished at the attitude and the application. It was like watching a team trying to play... Pep's Man City way, which is thought of. You can't do that unless you've got great, great players. Well, they did it. Well, Callum, you said beforehand that you felt the pressure and the occasion of it being your debut could lift your performance. Mm -hmm. Turns out you were right. Yeah. Um, you know, I seem to get off to a good start on my debut. Thankful for the goal, obviously. Um, but, you know, first and foremost, great team performance, solid at the back. And that's what gives us the platform to then go and, you know, express ourselves in the final third. Making a scoring start like that mm. to your Newcastle career, what difference can it make? Can it change everything? Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm a quite confident person anyway. I, I come in the door and um, my job is to score goals, obviously, and help the team get performances. Um, I was confident coming into the game today. And, you know, in future games, I feel this is a great squad with great potential. And, um, you know, being at the top of that and um, 
I'm just trying to be the, the finishing piece of the puzzle and put the ball in there. And beforehand, you were also very aware of your record against West Ham, weren't you? And that proved... It continues, it continues. <laughs> um, yeah, I like this place. I like playing against West Ham. Like I said, um, you know, it's not a disrespectful thing towards them. It's just the fact that solely um, I keep scoring against them and it brings confidence to confidence every time I play them. But for me now, um, it's about being consistent, um, you know, working and building on this performance and, and obviously this start and then um, you know taking it into the next game. It hasn't actually been the case in the last couple of seasons with Newcastle but just looking at you today and I think you said in your press conference when you signed it looks like a you see chances everywhere. You did look like a front foot team this evening. Yeah I think we was well organised. Um, you know the the shape and the, the the way we set up give us that platform. Um, you know, this, the, the reason I joined here is there's great players within this squad, and I feel I'm going to get chances in the game. You know, today I should have had a hat trick. Um, disappointed only to get the one, to be honest. Um, but on another day, you know, a few of those go in, and um, you know, the more the merrier. As long as they keep coming, I'm happy. Enjoy playing with Big Andy. Yeah, he's a great help. Um, you know, he's a big, big lad, and he takes the he, he takes the attention away from me. So I'm just sort of working in and out of the, the defence. Um, on the shoulder, really, which is what I prefer to do. Um, you know, he's great in the air and he gets hold of the ball, so it gives us that platform and, um, yeah, helps the team get the pitch. Obviously, you haven't had the chance yet to play in front of the Newcastle fans, but yeah. they love, as you know, yeah. a goal scorer. Yeah. How exciting is that prospect of being you know, a guy who scores plenty of goals for a club like Newcastle? Yeah, it's, it's massive for me. Um, disappointing that, you know, debut goal today is not in front of the, away, uh, the fans that have travelled down here. But, um, They'll have been watching. Exactly. And, um, you know, I'm going to obviously have many years and, and many goals where um, St James's part will be full and I'll be able to celebrate in front of a, a full house. Great start. Well done. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you. Well, the Newcastle fans, as he talked about there, weren't at the game, but they will have been watching mm. and they will be getting excited. Now, <laughs> we're only one game in. Steve Bruce, we talked about, seems happier. They have themselves a scoring striker. I know it's only one game. If they, can, if they can harness the excitement, Steve Bruce's organisational skills and the talent of the players they've brought in, where can they go? They can go in the top ten. I don't think they're going to push top six. Um, I don't think they'd be best of the rest in regarding that. I think, yeah, they should be looking for a top ten finish. And, and, and we thought the signings were good mm. in the window so mm. far, mm. and they proved it today. Mm. Um, I think Steve Bruce has been rewarded today for brave selection, 4-4-2, two out-and-out strikers away from home. He said he wanted to be more attack-minded. He was towards the end of last season. Results were good, and he's done it again at the start of this season. So that's good news. Just good news all around. You can tell mm. Steve Bruce looking mm. at him coming off, uh, the players coming off. It looks good so far. And, and Alboran, who's a, who's a bright, good footballer, comes off the bench as well. So great start. Great start for Wilson. Very important for a club like Newcastle to score and get the fans on side. That buys him a little bit of credit when he has a few games where he doesn't look so good. Um, yeah, all good for Newcastle United. D despite, Rebecca, what's, what's been going on, there's still a pull about Newcastle United. When Callum Wilson had the chance to go to Aston Villa, mm -hmm. Newcastle United, he goes to Newcastle United. And, and I look at what they've spent, £46.5 million, got four players in, two frees, Jeff Hendrick, Ryan Fraser. Good business, good pros, will make them better. Jamal Lewis will grow into a, a, a good Premier League footballer. And Callum Wilson, if given that they've had um, 15 shots today in Newcastle and scored two goals with the two that were on target... But Newcastle, a team that make chances for a centre-forward, if he's around the penalty box enough, he'll get double figures easily at this football club. In a funny way, 
Having no fans, does it take the mm. pressure off Steve Bruce a little bit? That's really funny because we always talk about Newcastle certainly at home, 50,000 fans getting behind them. But there has been a theory that maybe with the fans not being there, the expectancy not quite so high, that, that this team can relax a little bit more and get the results. But you just think about those Newcastle fans, what they've gone through, the, the turmoil at times sustained the league. They deserve to be around and deserve to be expensive. But, but hasn't he already got rid of a lot of that pressure, Rebecca? After what he did last season, I think the fans are like, you know what, mm. fair play to him. Mm. Maybe not our first choice, but he's done really well. I don't, I don't think this season there's going to be... Unless they start off horribly, which they mm. haven't, I think he's won a lot of them over already. And let's remember, it's been in the shadow of this takeover that was happening, wasn't happening, still continues to rumble on. He's mm. concentrated his, his players on getting the job done. Mm. OK, quick chat about West Ham United. Let's take a little look at how they're going to start their season following this defeat. Arsenal, Wolves, Leicester, Spurs, Man City, Liverpool, Robbie Earl. What yeah. a run that is. Then it's Fulham, Sheffield United, Villa. <laughs> Not could, a good foundation today. Could be a long way back, Rebecca, after six games. Pressure already on David Moyes looked back at their first games of the season now it's five straight seasons they've lost the opening game now of course nothing's won or lost or decided on day one but it doesn't have to give you some belief a little bit of hope when you get your first win to lose against Newcastle at home and then have that run of games coming it's not nothing to look forward to from West Ham again it it feels slightly groundhog day it's kind of one step forward they got this you know they stayed up but then they start the season by losing. And it's so frustrating for Hammers fans. It is. Um, he'd love to have some new players, Rebecca. Mm. No new players for this season. Suchek was already there last year. He'd love to have more players. Maybe the West Ham fans would love to have a, a more glamorous uh, manager. They tried that last season with Pellegrini. They maybe have real financial problems that might become apparent over the next few weeks mm. and months. I just still think David Moyes showed us in the last kind of quarter, last third of the season... He had what it was that, that he needed to find enough out of this squad, which mm. is a lot of talent there, to get the results to take them to safety. He's got to be trusted now, and what you worry about, and this is the back to your thing about the, the fans, there's no fans there. That, that will help, because they're going to be going crazy about a few things with the owners and the lack of signings. Mm. Moyes doesn't need that. Moyes needs support from the board, some players, and he's got to try and rally and poke and, and get this team playing again like it did towards the end of last season. You've said about desire and the hunger in your players after winning the title. Just looking at the body language and the faces of the players, I get the feeling your players actually enjoyed that too today. Yeah. So it's, for me, it's very important because I made, we made a big fuss of this game. Eh? We, 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 we played on minus three when it all came back. Pretty much the English guys played pretty much the night before, I think. We created one team. Um, which should replicate um, Leeds United, so man marking over the whole pitch and two other teams who are not together obviously played against them. It was like, wow, that feels really different. So we brought up the U23s and some other guys, and, and, and it was really it was really tough to do. So, and then um, we made extra meeting just to make sure we know what what will what will happen. And um, so it helped me a lot because the boys will now even more believe me when I say before a game they're pretty tricky to play against. So that's another good point. And yes, the boy love hard work still and I'm happy about that. You know what it's like on TV. They'll pick apart defending and they'll yeah. say, oh, this needs to be oh, better. This is oh, okay. Is this a day, though, where we should just celebrate the joy of what football does <laughs> when it's like that? It's allowed. But um, probably you cannot fill a, a, a full football show with um, celebrating seven goals. So... Um, 
maybe we should do it once, but um, I understand 100%. It will, so we, we will analyze it as well. We will now not go home and, um, and have a few beer on, the, on that result because we, ha we have to work with this result. But the good thing is we can work with it because um, there were mistakes we usually don't make. But if we, if we make them, we will struggle against everybody. But we usually don't do it. And so we have just to, 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 to continue the work. We have now, that's the only full week we have, I think, until October Forever. 2035 <laughs> or whatever. So uh, we will use that for recovery and then um, for... For, for training to work because you know our next uh, next opponent and that will be <laughs> a tough one as well probably a slightly different game but tough for other reasons and um, so we have to make sure that we are they are prepared as well do you not take pride from your team coming back three times in the match though que si no le da orgullo que su equipo haya empatado tres veces el partido sí por supuesto que valoramos La, la rebeldía del equipo. Uh, yes, of course, he values the, the rebellion of the team. También eh, logramos evitar que Liverpool jugara eh, mejor de lo que hizo de lo que lo hizo hoy. Uh, we also stopped playing. We also stopped Liverpool from playing as well as they usually do. Hicimos mucho esfuerzo para evitar que ellos impusieran sus individualidades. We made a lot of effort to stop them showing their, their individual uh, brilliance. Pero el análisis final eh, muestra un desnivel a favor de, de Liverpool. But the final analysis shows that um, Liverpool was superior. Well, they did, but he surely has to, Marcelo Bielsa, take something from it. You were impressed by mm. the approach from his team from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, I think we all were looking forward to how he set up and approached this game at the Champions. And I tell you what, when you hear that certain managers and, and Pep Guardiola is one of them that respect him and kind of, you know, enjoyed what he's done in the past, you could see it in the performance today. The way that they set up and approached it, Bielsa, was remarkable. I, you know, other than Man City, we've, we haven't seen a team go there with this approach. We've got a few examples now, Rebecca, of the way that, that Leeds, when they have possession, throw people forward like Man City often do. They have possession in midfield. There's five players that are right up the other end, absolutely right up. And as it comes into the central midfield player, those two there are like your David Silva and your Kevin De Bruyne for City. They're allowed to play right up to stretch that four across Liverpool. Those full-backs in Liverpool have to come back. And they're asked questions, and we saw it time and time again. Not only are those five high to start with, but they make runs in behind. They ask questions. Again, this is the build-up play for Leeds United from the back. And the five are there again. Now, if something goes wrong, which it did many times, they're going to get caught out. But again, when they get the ball, forward. Forward runs. Wide forward runs and, and through the centre as well. And the cleverness of those little passes, again, is a little like Man City when they try and get in behind defenders. And we saw it, Rob, throughout the mm. game of Leeds, like saying, you know what, I don't care if somebody gives it away. We are going to be on the front foot and we're going to ask questions defensively. What I thought as well, Rob, in the way they played is fascinating. Very Man City-like. Obviously, Pep's been influenced by Bielsa in his early coaching days. But it's that they retain their personality going to Anfield against Liverpool, the team who can open you up, can, can cause you all kind of problems. It was Liverpool who actually changed their system a little bit and tried to condense the game. Yeah. And it was Leeds who continued to play the same way and, and cause problems. 
How do you think the other teams in the Premier League, when they watch that mm. game, will mm. now maybe even change their opinion of playing Leeds? Huge, different respect for Leeds now. Listen, anybody comes up from the Championship, and, and I know Leeds is a huge club with history, great fan base, that means nothing when you get on the pitch, Rebecca. You have to earn the respect. That performance against the, the reigning champions will have other teams looking insane. We're going to have to deal with them. When they take play teams like, and I'm not talking disrespectfully, about Southampton, about Brighton, about Newcastle, about West Ham... Leeds will want to dominate the ball and the other teams are going to have to deal with some special way of, of playing. Those high five, they play five at the back and they'll pass the ball through you and eliminate people quickly out of the game. He's got a real ingrained system that they've won in the, in the Championship and he's going to stay the same way in the Premier League. What's, what's fascinating for me through a 38-game experiment and we've heard this so many times before that, that Pep's way and the mm. total football mm. way and all the attacking style can only work when you've got great players. Well, we're going to see it because they're good players, but they're not great players. They're championship players from last season. But it's the, the, the tactical nous of the coach to say, we're going to do this. Mm. And I think you make a good point because teams will see that and I think they will be a little bit more cautious. Mm. They'll drop off is exactly what, what he, wants. Yeah. he wants. So they can dominate, they can do their thing going forward. And there's going to be games that's going to be end-to-end, toe-to-toe against the likes of City and Chelsea yeah. and other teams that want to attack them. Mm. So we'll have more of that. But it's the other sides that I wonder how they approach it because Leeds are not going to change. The caution, well. Rob, is if they, don't, if they don't pass through you, Becca, if the pressure comes on and they lose possession, you've got five players up at the other end of the pitch yeah. who can't help you down. So they've got to be neat and tidy mm. week in, week out, and that mm. can be difficult yeah. with the intensity of the Premier League. Yeah. What does your gut tell you that these good players, if you like, can they take this philosophy, take this approach all the way through the season, stick to it no matter what, and succeed enough to do well? I really hope so, and I want to mm. see it. Love to see it. But it's a, it's a great point. If they start failing with that, I mean, they look like they concede goals a lot today, and that might be the same every week, but they'll say, well, that's OK, because we're going to look like scoring more than you might expect. I'd love to see that, mm. that they continue this way and he doesn't have to change. Um, because I think that's a successful way for this manager and this team to play in this league, mm. given the conditions and the pitches and everything else. Uh, it's going to be fascinating. And what were your thoughts on the goal? Was it nice to see Wilf get off the mark in the first game and he was picked out beautifully by Andros? Yeah, that was a really good goal, wasn't it? It was a nice, a nice breakaway move and Andros did well to, to compose himself on the right side and with his wrong foot, you know, he's been working hard on his right foot. I thought he picked out the cross extremely well and Will found himself in a very good position and showed a lot of composure to take that because he made the, he made the chance look easy like all, all good goal scorers do, but it was a good goal scorer's goal that one. And what are the chances, do you think, that he will still be a Palace player at, at the end of the window? Because the fans, of course, will be nervous until that window is yeah. closed, especially seeing him score today. Yeah. Well, we, we, we rate him very highly, as I said before, before the show. I don't know whether you showed it, but we talked about it before uh, the game began. And I said we rate him very highly. And, of course, what we can't ever uh, dismiss out of hand is that someone else won't rate him very highly and will pay the market price for him. I suppose my, my wish and my hope is that there won't be someone who, out there, some club, ready to come in and pay the market price and steal him from us. Um, I know he thinks the opposite. He, he thinks at the moment it would be nice if some club did come in and pay that market price. But until something happens, we carry on working day by day. We 
continue taking advantage of what he gives us and we're expecting him really just to, to accept the situation for what it is and to keep playing the, his best football and let's see what transpires. For me, hopefully nothing. I think he still hopes that a big club somewhere will come in and, and, and take him from us. Ralph, a narrow defeat, do you think you deserve to take something from the game overall? Ah, if you don't score, then you don't deserve to get something. I think the chances we had, a little bit more than the opponent, I think. Uh, but you know how Crystal Palace used to play when they're one up, then it's always difficult. But uh, in the second half, we find a little bit more um, yeah, tools to, to stress them a little bit. But uh, it was, in the end, not good enough. Uh, still, um, we are not... Um, we didn't have a, a, a pre-season where we could work on everything. Uh, players were, haven't been here and you could feel today that the automatism were not there. They are like we had it in uh, before before the break. And uh, yeah, that's the reason why we, we must work on it. Eh? It's, it's, it's again not a good start. We, 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 we definitely thought we can take something here. But if you're one down and then uh, have the chances and don't make the goal, then it's... it's, it's, it's it's a tough, it's a tough start, yes. What did you think about the red card that was overturned? We know that the referees, I think, are being encouraged to, to go and look at the monitor and double check. I guess you were happy that they did that. Yeah, it's not open because because it was my player. I think I, I spoke yes last season about uh, using the screen more often, especially. Uh, give the, the referee the chance to be the final de- uh, decision taker, and uh, in the end, I think it was good that he went there. Should be more often, yes. Well, it looks like it will be. That is the remit from the authorities to use the pitch side monitor more and, and just evidence today, Robin Musso, of how it helps a game. It absolutely helps it. Craig Paulson's the VAR. Now, last season, what would have happened here is that the, the Paulson would have looked at it and said, well, I don't think it's a clear and obvious error. The studs are up. He makes contact with the player. doesn't touch a ball. Uh, John, that's all good. Now, the communication is totally different. And it's like, John, actually, you know what? It might have been a mistake. Go and take a look. That's so different from a colleague to another colleague and without kind of stitching him up, if you, if you know what I mean. So he goes over himself, takes a look at it, and it's absolutely the right call. But doesn't it just feel better? Mm. There he is looking at it, and I think it makes so much common sense. It's not a red card. It's not reckless. That's the right call. And actually, it's about going over to the pitch side monitor because had he gone over and kept to his decision, mm. I, I think Roy Hodgson would have been like, well, OK, at least he's yeah. gone. OK, I right. think he's wrong, mm. but at least he's gone and had another look. So it's just all about giving himself more authority and giving himself another chance. And also, it, it, it sets the, the parameters for us and for other referees to say, he's looked at it again, yeah. right, that's what a red card is. We know now, and because you, you get a double look at it. If he says, I still a red, then we're like, oh, mm. OK, that looked a little harsh, but yeah. that's the way it's going to get done. And that kind of fits with our kind of interpretation of that challenge, yeah. that it mm. wasn't a red, yeah. Wilfred Zaha, he was asked there about whether or not they yeah. can hang on to him. It doesn't look like there's many suitors no. out there for Zaha, but he looks like he's got his head down and he's back committed again. Good news for Palace Rebecca. He looked happier. He looked focused. I've heard about pre-season. He's been really good in pre-season in all the running uh, time trials mm-hmm. and on the pitch scoring goals. And we got his goal today. And it was important they, scored, they uh, won the game, got the three points. One point out of the last eight games in the Premier League. It was a terrible run they were on. And the next three games coming up are Manchester United, Everton and Chelsea in mm. the Premier League. So some tough games to come, but they'll feel better having got three points with Eze and Batshuayi still to come into the fold. And it's an interesting situation about Leicester City because yeah. they ended so poorly. There mm. must have been so much disappointment around yeah. that club, having been in the top three for so long. Mm. And then to finish fifth, we've talked about motivation for Liverpool defending their title. Yeah. Where do Leicester fit in and how... 
they need to start this season to fit in. A reaction to what was a really poor uh, second half of the season, Rebecca, and not feeling sorry for, for yourself that you've dropped out the top four, you're not playing Champions League, not feeling sorry that you've lost Ben Chilwell, almost proving that we're good players. And second half, Robbie Mustard was dead right. They put the squeeze on, on West Bromwich Albion, and then we start to see the last we, we saw in the first half of last season. So I think Brendan Rodgers will be really pleased to get that first win under the belt and get a bit of confidence back in the camp. What's your main take from either perspective? Well, definitely my main take from West Brom is the way they started this game is the way that, for me, they've got to continue. Try and be strong defensively. Mm. Five in the back, two holders in midfield, and those front three can hopefully for them combine and start producing stuff. If they don't, then you've got your, your Austins and your Hal Robsons to come off the bench. Um, but the concern is defensively. We knew that West Brom weren't great defensively last season. If that foundation is weak in any way, the front three aren't going to score a ton of goals, but they will get you some. If you can't keep clean sheets, then they're going to have a very difficult season. Dominic, well played today. It's only been a short break between seasons, but this team looks transformed, doesn't it? Um, I think it's a very good start. I think we've not had much time to, to mix together and, and learn each other's game yet, but I think today, you know, the signings we've made, they're all top players, and you put top players together, it's, it's not too difficult to play. So I think I'm, I'm proud of the lads today. I think it was... More important that we brought the work ethic and, and we could build from there. And I think we did that from the start, defended well and nicked a goal from a set-piece, which I'm thankful to, to have put in and, and something to build on. Nicked one goal, but the team could have scored three or four quite comfortably, couldn't they? Absolutely, yeah, and it's creating chances, you know. You need to start worrying when you're not, when you, when you're not getting the chances. And it's a good start, first game of the Premier League season. And for me, had a couple of chances today, put one away. But, you know, for me, I'm, I'm looking to build on what I've, what I've started today and, and kick on. Tell us about that bullet of a header. Just timed it well. Um, I know Lucas has got a, a good, very, very good delivery, so uh, I jumped early and connected with it and kept my eyes on the ball and put it in the back of the net. And 15 goals in all competitions for you last season, 13 in the Premier League. That was your best ever in your career so far. With all the, the creativity and quality around you now, do you fancy beating that this season? Yeah, I always strive for more every season to, to better the, my tally from the season before, so regardless of that, I'm, I'm looking to go a few more again so I think you know you say the, the quality we brought in the creativity that we brought in it's it's um, a, a centre forward's dream so I'm looking forward to playing with the lads learning learning the game still and and getting into many more chances You had three new teammates out there pick out Hammers Rodriguez though having him as a teammate all everything he brings I mean how much have you seen so far? He's not been here that long but you can you can see the quality he's got already you know when he, when he likes to come inside on his left foot and he opens the pitch up and it completely changes the dynamic of the way we play. When you've got a player that can, you know, get on the ball and pick passes out across the pitch, it makes the other team drop and then create space for us to get on the ball. So, you know, the quality he's got, he's played at the highest level. So it's, um, I'm looking forward, you know, to, to playing alongside him. It's only been one game, but looks quite like this could be an exciting season, doesn't it? It does, yeah. But you know, it's it's the same old thing where you can, we're not going to get too excited. It's one game, it's one three points. So. We're looking to build from this and, and keep working. And it's um, it was a frustrating season last season, but you know this season now we're, we're here and we're here to play and we're here to com compete. So that's what we're going to do. Very best of luck. Thanks for talking to Thanks us. Well much. played. Cheers. Great start to the season with Dominic Calvert-Lewin and really interesting because before the game, actually, I think it was a half-time, you were talking about Calvert-Lewin and the need mm. for him to adjust yep. to these new players around him and the new way that Everton are going to play. Yeah. He there admitted that's mm. what he is doing and that's yeah. what he has to do. But for him to get off the mark. 
in amongst those new players, that's crucial for confidence. Absolutely. Absolutely is. And, and it's a set-piece goal, and he's really good at attacking crosses. We knew that before. And he will figure out the runs to make and the, the quality around him will entice him to do that. Um, but you're right. I mean, he, he, I mean, he, he couldn't stop smiling mm. in that interview. And he's right. And the question's... I kinda, I'm with the, the interviewer as well because that is so exciting. That's a different Everton. It's a different Everton. And the subs that come on afterwards are the first-team players of last season. Well, they're now very good... I don't want to say backup players because it sounds a little harsh, but I will for now. Sigurdsson, Moise Keane came on, Tom Davis. Good players. Theo Walker's to come into that side. So, you know, the team has evolved to another level, particularly in midfield, and there's other areas of the team that might evolve. Mm. He will be under pressure, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. If he doesn't score goals for a period of time, the Everton are like, oh, maybe we do need to get a, another big-time player up front. Um, but I tell you, for some of the football and James um, Rodriguez, the quality that he has, it's, it's exciting to watch. Well, for all that, that silkiness as well, Rebecca, and you're right, and, and he said, I've got to learn to play around with this quality around him. Rodriguez, as we saw, just picks it up and creates a little bit of magic. But now and then... In certain games, you need someone who's going to win balls from, from set pieces. You need somebody who's going to be strong. And he gives them that option as well. So if he can learn a little bit and, and get up to the speed of Rodriguez with the, the football IQ, but still have that physical presence, they could be really, really encouraging to watch this year. And, and the, the big thing I, I thought today, and, and Graham Lasseau talked about Spurs before the game and saying, you know, I hope they enjoy their football. Everton players look like they're enjoying that today. They knew what they were doing, they were confident in the ball, and everybody looked like they wanted to get on it and, and, and show the manager what they can do. That, that was a really good start to the season. I just want to add, and, and he, the player said it afterwards there, there was a, there was a, de a defensive focus in the last mm. half an hour that's mm. almost as encouraging, that those talented players will get back and fill gaps and keep a clean sheet away against Spurs. So that, along with the football, mm. was a great performance. Deflating for Spurs. Yes, um, you'd have to say Jose got out coached today, Rebecca. Uh, 15 shots uh, Everton had, which is not a Jose Mourinho team. Get beat from a set piece, two centre-backs don't compete with a centre-forward. He won't like that. The more the game went on, the better Everton got, the more control they got. That would be disappointing for, for Jose Mourinho. At, ho at home, Spurs looking for, trying to close a gap into the top four. That, that wasn't very good at all. He wants a new striker, but does he have other problems, Jose Mourinho? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, defensive problems, isn't it? Isn't one of the things that we talked about that he's mm. got to... Conceding the first goal from Mourinho teams is, a, is awful for them because they rely on, we keep it tight, we keep it tight, we keep a clean sheet. Other, other teams get more desperate to score and then they pounce and hit them on the counter-attack. And that's when he racks up his goals. And that's when Kane and other forwards that he's coached get their goals in the desperation for their opponents to get forward. Conceding the first one... They haven't got a lot of silkiness. They just haven't. I always write down scrappy, disjointed, and then I put as normal because they aren't a great silky team. They rely on being tough, tough defensively and then find goals on a counter-attack. Yeah, and, and that's what they struggle to with. know what happened with Deli Alley, whether that was an injury or tactical, because if it was tactical at half-time, that's not a very good sign. Jose, how do, how do you view that today from a Tottenham point of view? Oh, uh, a goal made a difference. What happened after the goal with them having a couple of more chances in counter-attack is consequence of being uh, losing, is consequence of not such a, a very good fitness condition for some of my, of my players. What happened before the goal was, in my eyes, a good game where we had uh, two incredible situations with two great saves by Pickford, one in a great combination with, uh, 
Kane Doherty and the second one with um, Sonny Dele. Uh, we didn't score. The game was, was open and then in the second half one, one goal made, um, made a difference in the result and made a difference in what happened after the goal. Did you expect a little bit more when you'd gone from behind in terms of creating chances and putting them under pressure? Yeah, of course. But uh, as I was saying to your colleagues before, uh, against good teams like Everton with good technical players, if you let them play from, uh, from the back, they, they are comfortable. They are very good players technically, people that like to have the ball and build. If you don't uh, press them, you are giving them, let's say, the ammunition for their game. And we were lazy in our pressure. Um, consequence of, uh, of um, bad fitness, of bad pre-seasons. In some cases, not even pre-season, because some players they didn't even have a pre-season. Consequence of uh, the, the wrong state of mind is something that in this moment I, I don't want to speak about it or even I'm not sure about it. But the reality is that was too easy for them to play from from the back. So you allowed them to play? Yeah. yeah. And when you say state of mind on day one, what, what do you mean by that? State of mind is, uh, is to face the game with, uh, with the right state of mind, with, with ambition, with commitment, with, uh, with desire, with all these ingredients that are uh, uh, important. Uh, I would say tactically not so easy because um, some of the players they didn't have uh, pre-season. Uh, I have to be honest with the uh, with that and for different reasons, uh, some of them they didn't have a pre-season. I would say to you that we had two days with everybody um, and two days before the game is not where you, you can work too much. But, um, you know, I feel frustrated, yeah. Uh, I think the goal uh, shouldn't be possible when you have six referees and you have VAR, shouldn't be possible to let a free kick be taken five or six metres. Um, in front because that made a huge difference, but I'm disappointed with um, with my team. Yeah. So just finally, what's your message to them? It's only day one, but what's your message to them to, to move on from here? My message is inside, and I'm I'm so happy that no more uh, no more Amazon, so the things can stay inside in between us is the way I like it. Thanks, Jose. Thank you. We're not. We like it. We like to see what's going on in that uh, dressing room. Really interesting. Back to Graham Rousseau and Arlo White. I mean, he's questioning yeah. their state of mind, their ambition, mm. their desire. Um, that's a big, a big statement after game one of the season, chaps. Absolutely, for opening day. And Jose has just finished his four post-match interviews and has just gone down the tunnel now back towards that uh, Tottenham changing room. I mean, that, that was pretty damning of his team well, especially after when he the said, first game. Especially when he said, I don't really want to talk about it and then spent five minutes talking about it <laughs> and saying that the, t the players look like they've, you know, they're not physically fit, their state of mind isn't right. He says about they weren't pressing. Now, I was, we were w watching a different game. As soon as they lost the ball, the defence dropped 30 metres mm deeper than it could have been. They were totally different. Everton's approach to the game, which was a high-pressing game generally, was totally different to, to what I saw Tottenham doing. And we spoke about it in the first half where yeah. individual players in forward areas were getting picked off because they were pressing and there was no support behind. So you've got a mixed message there from what the front players are doing around pressing and what the rest of the team is doing. And after making three or four runs and getting the ball popped around you as a player, you go, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> so you go to a defensive position and then you leave them have the ball. And mm. that's what they did to Everton. And yeah, we'll talk about Everton in a minute, but they took full advantage of that. And psychologically, I think they're in a really difficult position, Tottenham, because they're, 
their mentality pre-Mourinho uh, pre mm. was was press, high-intense football, yeah. intensity football, press, win the ball back, electrifying pace, uh, creativity. Now it's, as you said, the word passive. And the players want to press, but they're feeling that they can't. And now he's saying things like that. That's a, that's a worry. It is a worry. And there are shades of the Sheffield United defeat in Project Restart when they lost 3-1 and mm. he, he gave the players a public dressing down. 15 shots, I think, Everton had today. Leicester had 26 shots, I think, against mm. them here. And if this ground, Graham, is full of 60,000 fans, I don't think that Spurs fans will enjoy or support that sort of football, particularly if they're not mm. winning games. Well, the, the, other, sorry, the other thing you've got as well, Arlo, is you've got, you know, you've got the tactical substitutions that, that, are, that are made. And Son, who was their most dangerous player, Tottenham's most mm. dangerous player in the first mm. half, became their least dangerous player because he suddenly found himself playing as a sort of a, a off-the-centre-forward. And from, even from a tactical point of view and the substitutions, I think, I think they got wrong. OK, Everton won the game. Mm. Um, have you seen enough today to suggest that they are an entirely different prospect this season? In some ways, yes. And, and the evidence of today, absolutely. Can they maintain that standard, particularly the new players that have come in, James and Allen in particular, exceptional performances today, their first game. They've got to do this week in, week out. And that's when you start to feel the, the weight of the Premier League season. When you're playing two or three games a week at this sort of level, it's going to be interesting to see. But they look suddenly like everything fits together, Everton. Mm. And the, the players that they've brought in have made the existing players play better as well. They look mm. more assured, more confident, more comfortable, getting rid of those basic mistakes that they make a lot of generally. And, and it's a fantastic start for them, not just the result, but the manner in which they played as well. Get home safely, Graham. Um, Rebecca, from our vantage point here, the Dinya free kick, the bend on it, the shape of it. We had the perfect view. Then, of course, the Calvert-Lewin header, and that was the crucial moment of the game. We'll talk to you again next week. Look forward to it. Gentlemen, thank you very much indeed. I really would like, Robbie Earl, your mm. opinion on Jose Mourinho's post-match interview. Where do we start? I thought he was very honest. I thought he was transparent. I thought he was sending a message to the dressing room. He said to the reporter there that I've said my words in there. I thought he delivered a message on air about ambition, about desire, about commitment, the, 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 the worrying state of mind. He's basically putting out there that I'm not sure about some of these players, and we know that all the talk's been about turning them into winners and taking that next step. Well, he's basically saying, I'm not sure if they're going to be those players. You can talk about tactics and pressing and all those other things, but Jose Mourinho wants a state of mind where you go out and you do not get beat. You do not let a set piece go in your goal with one header. And I think he's almost saying, I'm not sure if some of these guys are those type of players. But a lot of these players have been that type of player, yeah, haven't I, they, over the years? I just think it's a dangerous road to go down, Rob, and... and of course you can level that at some of these players, maybe, because they got so far and didn't go over the line. But every time they don't win, is it right for the manager to say mentality, you know, attitude, desire, everything else? It's, it's more than that, isn't it? It's got to be more than well, that. Doesn't the documentaries, it, yeah. it goes on and on and on every single time. He's trying to drum it into mm. it. But is that his tune? Is that, is that him, the manager? We talked about it before. Do modern-day managers not do that? Graham's talked about the press. I thought it was a really interesting point you made. Spurs at the best on the Pochettino. When we talked 18 months ago, were high-intensity, high-press and played that way. Under Jose, players are saying, he's saying now, sit That's back. That's the way he does it, isn't it? That's what I'm saying. Now, as a player, if, if that doesn't fit for you, if you're not really comfortable doing that, you probably get a little bit kind of turned off. And, and that's maybe what we're seeing in performances, whereas he's saying you should be turned on by that, you should be really up for it, and then we're going to win my way. I, I, just, I just think that, that 
from Josie's point of view, it's about them, their attitude, their mentality, their desire. About you. How about you but coaching the team? Yeah, they didn't, didn't play well enough, enough, did they, today, to, to win they, the game? They didn't play well enough. So it's not just about... They're not mm. all losers. I mean, mm. they, they need... It's not just about mentality to make a good team. Are all those Everton players absolutely fired up and have got desire and have got ambition and everything else? Yeah, a lot of them have. Some of them might not so much. It's just more than just mm. desire every time from Jose. Like, he's got to organise them, cajole them coach them in a way to be effective and not have to win a game like it's the last game in the world. I mean, you dread to think what the fans, how the fans would have reacted mm. had they packed in mm. over 60,000 in North London today. I think it was always a feeling, Rebecca, wasn't it? That the football's not going to be great, but we're going to win. Yeah. So we'll put as it long as that, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. But if we're not winning... Yeah. Yeah. That's what Arlo said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. OK, let's hear from a victorious Everton manager, shall we? Here's Carlo Ancelotti. Well, Carlo, it's just one game, I suppose, but... Still, how encouraging was that? Ah, the game was, the game was was good. The game was what we what I expected from the team. I know that was not easy, but I think that the new brought uh, energy, brought quality, and uh, and the others support the adaptation of these three really well. So the performance was brilliant, and also we had some difficulties in the beginning, but we were comfortable on, on the pitch. You say you expected it, but were you not surprised by just how quickly it gelled with new players? Yeah, but um, the, the, the players that are able to play football, they, they, they don't need a lot of time to adapt. So Hamas knows very well what he has to do. Alain is the same. Ducure is the same. I just said to them to show their quality. And I think that they did. So Alan and Decore first. What do they, what do they bring to your midfield that you didn't have last season? Well, I think we have a good combination in, in midfield because we have players with quality, Gomez, James. We have, um, we have uh, Alan really well in position. We have Decore that can work box to box more. So the combination of the midfielders are are good this season last season we had a lot of players with quality with the ball but uh, in football you have to play also without the ball so Hammers, you said beforehand he wasn't 100 percent and you've worked with him a lot how good is he going to be in this league um I don't know. I think we, we, we consider the physical aspect. Hamas uh, is not the fastest player in the world, but uh, he has a lot, more, a lot of quality. And so we have to, to use him to show his quality. He did. He's not a winger. He's not a right winger. But he can come inside, and when he comes inside and they receive the ball between lines, it's really dangerous. Is that the one worry with him, not on today's evidence, but just getting used to the, the pace and physicality of the Premier League? No. They are not worried about the physicality, because if I am worried about this, I could sign Usain Bolt and not Hannes. Everton fans will be getting very excited after that, Carlo. I think, it, I think after... Uh, a long time of to suffering, and now they they have to be happy because it was not easy in the past to win here, and we won, and so it's good to celebrate. Yeah, that's very true. Bad, Everton got a bad record here and a bad record away to all the top teams, really. So, do you think, in that respect, it could be a breakthrough performance? 
Yeah, so we have to give us continuity because the problem that we had in the last season, we were not, we were up and down, a lot of performances, and so we have to try to have more continuity, and then, then we will see in the next game. But this game told us that we can compete with everyone. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. Cheers, Carla. Cheers. You look really familiar. You know that. Do I? Yeah, who do people tell you you look like? Tim Howard. Nah, nah, nah. You know who you look like? You look like the, uh, the goalkeeper for Everton. Timmy Howard. There is no one better to introduce you than Ted Lasso. Tim Howard, it is a delight to have you in the studio. 399 Premier League appearances. Manchester United and Everton over 13 years. Most caps ever as a goalkeeper for the US men's national team. Football, Two World Cups. Football royalty right there, Rebecca Love. Exactly. I could go on and on. So happy to have you as part of our team. Thanks, Robbie. Thank you. It's Welcome. Welcome, mate. Thanks. It's going to be great, and we've got so much to get through. So we're going to start by talking about Chelsea, who, as I say, play Brighton a little bit later on. They've spent big money. Let's remind you of who exactly they have brought in this summer. Kai Havertz. Ben Chilwell from Leicester, Timo Werner, who signed a little while ago, but $60 million they spent on him. Hakim Ziyech from Ajax, nearly $50 million bucks. Thiago Silva came in on a free. Out has gone Pedro, out has gone Willian. Willian's gone to Arsenal, as we saw over the weekend. So, Tim, when they've spent this kind of money, and they are Chelsea, are they title contenders? According to you on the lowdown, they are. So, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I, I think they are. Look, it's, I, I say that because it's Liverpool's title to win or lose. Having spent the money that Chelsea did, the way they finished the season, I do think they have an opportunity. I think they'll be the best of the rest, and if Liverpool slip up, then yeah, they have an op- they have an opportunity to win the title. But you know, they, they still need to they yeah. still need to close the gap on City a little bit and then get there. I think coming into this new season, Rebecca, for me, there was two teams everybody was talking about: Leeds United were back. And Chelsea, the amount of money they've spent. Mm. Now, it almost feels like we've gone back to the Abramovich era mm. of 2004-2005 where they spent money, they won titles, they won back-to-back titles. Now, Frank's got some quality players into the football club here. I'm not sure yet they're ready to win a title, but they've got to be in and around it. I would say 10 points is the maximum they should be away from whoever wins the title. And what's really interesting is the contrast to last season where start of last season, Frank had no transfer activity, brought in young players and was almost given a bit of a free hit. Let's see how this one goes. When you spend almost $300 million, this better go this Mm. season. Let's talk about the goalkeeper. Kepa has struggled. Big price tag. There is talk that Lampard is in for the Ren goalkeeper, Edouard Mendy. Mm -hmm. Do you think he does need to get a new keeper? I I think the rumours are good because they do. Kepa costs $91 million. It's too expensive. I think you can get better output from a $25 million goalkeeper. Mm. He's not made the saves he's supposed to. When I was at Man United, they brought Edwin Van der in world-class. Sir Alex Ferguson said, look, son, go sit over there and watch how it's done. At a big, big club that's, that's aiming for titles, you have to make one or two saves a game. That's it. And, he's, and the easy ones are going by him, so I don't love him. Are people like us are not a little bit too harsh on Kepa? That every time something goes in, we go, oh, the goalkeeper, oh, because of the money. Or is he just not at that right level for the team that are going to win the title? He's just too wishy-washy. The balls are going through him. He just needs to make the saves that he's expected to make. We're not asking him to be – I'm certainly not asking him to be world-class. He's at, a, he's, at a, he's at a world-class football club. He just needs to make the easy saves. He flaps at a few different things. You need a steadying influence. And a team that you know is going to score goals, you've got to be solid at the back. 
Big pressure when you're at a big club, mm. that's for certain. Yeah. Lots of interest around Chelsea, as Robbie was saying, and always interest around Christian Pulisic. He has had an injury over the summer. We think he's pretty much back fit. Whether or not he plays today, we shall see. Mm. But during Project Restart, he reminded us of his qualities. Let's just remind you, Rob, of yeah. some of those biggest moments during the restart. Well, I think you said when he's reminded of, of, of what he's about, Rebecca. I think the first thing to say here is that when he started Project Restart, he talked about, for the first time in a while, he felt confident in his fitness. He'd done a lot of work with the strength and conditioning people. He'd worked hard over that summer break, and we saw the fruits of his labour. This against Manchester City is typical... Christian Pulisic, his ability to run away from people, his dribbling skill, and he's also a really good finisher when he gets there. And, and what he started to do, Tim, is come big in big moments. Take on the responsibility of saying, yes, I, I was bought for big money, but I'm going to deliver for you in the big games on the big moments. And we're definitely starting to see that now. Yeah, this is his profile. He, he's always off the shoulder of the defender. He gets the, gets the defender on an island where you don't want to be, and he's unselfish. He can make something happen. He, we know about his assists. The, the, you talk about responsibility. There's, there's very few players in the world that see the best defense and have four red shirts looking at him and still rise the tackles and has enough wherewithal to slip a pass in there. He... He's taking on the responsibility. He's shouldering it. We knew about the assists. I, I never thought that was in, in danger. But the fact that he scored nine goals in 25 appearances last year tells me that there are more goals to come from him. He did struggle with injuries throughout his first season at Chelsea, but his restart stats, four goals, two assists in just those nine games, six straight starts. So he did get that run in the team in June and July. He also won a couple of penalties, both of which were converted by Willian. So he really made a difference to this Chelsea team. And Tim, you know him. You've played with him. You've trained against him. You've seen that player bearing down on you. What is Christian Pulisic's biggest asset? Well, I, I talked about in the piece his profile. He, he's, a, he's a striker that he he'll, when he gets in a position, it's a danger position. Mm. He's not just going to be lazy and lollygag and let the, let the defender get tight. And so when you're a goalkeeper and you're playing against him, I trained against him a ton. Mm. When he's in the box, he's in a position where he wants the ball because he knows he can score. And for me, that makes me nervous as a goalkeeper. Yeah. You're, always, you're always having to keep one eye on him. And when he gets it, we, you, we've seen some of his finishes. He's clean, he's cool, he's calm, he's yeah. collected. He, he'll slot it home and ne never give you a chance. What's really interesting, Rebecca, in Project Restore, and, and Tim will uh, attestment to, to this, is there was a couple of moments, especially in a couple of the big games, against Liverpool and against Manchester City, where he did a couple of things. He, he, he eliminated people on the dribble. He, he played somebody in. I mean, the goals that he scored... And it was just that moment, and, and Tim will tell you, we've both been there, where within a game, or sometimes in training, a new signing does something, and nobody says anything around. You kind of look at each other, mm. and there's, there's like a little nod as if to say, yeah, he, he's a guy, we trust him now, we'll get the ball to him, we know that he can make things happen, and that's the step he's taken in Project Restart. If I'm just going to be slightly negative, the injuries are a little bit of a worry. They're coming a little bit regular. hope he can manage those and get a run of games because he surely can be a real threat in this league. Going back to the trust, yeah. maybe that's why Frank Lampard called him up a few weeks ago and said, I want you to take the number 10 yeah. shirt. How big a deal is the number 10 shirt? It's the ultimate for a footballer. Every footballer wants the number 10 shirt. Robbie and I never had a chance to, to wear it. <laughs> but imagine Frank Lampard calling up on your summer holidays saying, look, I want you to wear the number 10 for Chelsea. They brought in so much firepower up front that it, it certainly gives him a vote of confidence. It's a statement with, mm. with the likes of the players and the quality of the players at the end, but he goes to, to Christian, here's the 10, mm. now you go to that next level. It's a real statement for yeah. Pulisic. Reese, congratulations. First three points this season. What did you make of the team's first performance this season? No, I think obviously coming here, we knew it was going to be a, a tough game, but we knew we needed to get off to a good start and, and get the three points. And what a first Premier League goal for you. What was going through your head before you scored that screamer? No, I mean, I looked up and, and saw space and I had time. 
I knew I have a good shot, so I thought, let me give it a go, and, and it hit the back of the net. And debuts for Havertz and Werner, just how much do they bring to this squad? No, they're obviously getting to world-class players and, and they're large additions to, to our team, and, and they bring a lot, and we showed that today. You can see why he's called Turbo Timo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's obviously got a lot of pace, and, and we like to use that. A long season ahead, how much do you expect this Chelsea side to improve as the season goes on? No, I think we're only going to get stronger. I mean, we're fairly, there's, there's still new players, so we need to bond and get stronger as a team. And I think um, we're going to get stronger week on week, week. Liverpool up next. Are you confident, confident you can get a good result at home? Yeah, I think they're coming to, to Stamford Bridge, and it's obviously going to be a tough game. Last season, they won the league, so we know it's going to be a fight, and, and we're looking forward to it. So are we, Chelsea Liverpool next weekend, already excited for that one. And what do you think Frank Lampard, Tim, will be most pleased about after today, other than the three points? Mm, yeah, simply put, obviously, the win. But, but Werner played really well, I thought. Uh, Havertz, it was, it was a little bit pedestrian in terms of they didn't use him well enough to get mm. the ball. But I like the fact that he had energy and he was willing to work. He lost the ball one time, tracked all the way back, yeah. didn't barely even break a sweat trying to win the ball back. And I thought they did. I thought those two, you look at his new signings and think they played well here. Overall for you, what do you think? That, the three points will be important. Mm -hmm. This team are going to have to win as they go. So winning, maturing and learning and getting to know each other better. Mm -hmm. It's going to be huge competition for places. When you think of players who, aren't av who weren't available still to come in into this team. But um, I think you'd be pleased the first day is over. Yeah. And we've got the win. And we've got some players going. And now we start the momentum. Now we get the ball rolling. And Turbo Timo looked Turbo good. Let's Timo. take a little look at him, shall we? Really liked him, Rebecca. I mean, $60 million. We've seen him for RB Leipzig a number of times. He runs in behind defenders. A little bit like Aguero. He's going to play on the shoulder of defenders. Now and then he's going to get an offside flag. And he's not going to worry about that. He's got great reaction. Look at this as the ball comes in. He's away. He draws the foul for Matt Ryan. Ryan can't do anything about it. He's going to run in behind defenders. He's going to cause them problems. He's going to get his shots off when he can. This time, there's just too many defenders to, to get a shot in on target. Here, this is brilliant play. Look how quick he makes the space. Loftus-Chico had a poor game. If he plays that in his path, he's in and scoring goals. He's brilliant at setting up defenders, so by that I mean slowing them down at one side and then running with pace, and he's a little unlucky here. It's, it's a good block in the end from wide. But really, I thought, encouraging start for Timo Werner. And Timmy, you're spot on because you said before the game that it wouldn't take him any time to get used to the English game. I mean, I guess some players just have that natural adaption. He, he, he doesn't seem to... To, to do anything wrong. Every, everything's It yeah. seems it comes easy for him. I'll make the pass. I'll, yeah. I'll get my shots away. I'll run into any channel that's offered. He does everything really, really well. I go back to what we call football IQ, Rebecca. Yes. Well coached, well brought up, and that's why you see those mm. kind of things there. OK, let's get your view on Kepa. Let's mm. get the, your view. Shall we have a little look yeah. at the goal he conceded? Yeah. Should he have saved it? Yeah, look, this is where the problem's been with Kepa. This isn't a mistake. But it's a, it's a goal that needs saving. As you look here, it goes under his wrist. It doesn't go past his fingertips. It just goes under his wrist. The amount of goals that he's conceded from outside the penalty area will be concerning. Team, teams are going to say, shoot on sight. And it's, 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 been, it's been an issue since... It's been an issue since... The, Is that what you're saying? Is that, Tim, the reason why he can't be Chelsea's goalkeeper if Chelsea are going to want to go in and win the title? Is that because he's got to save that Correct. shot? Before the game, I said there's going to be one or two saves that you have to make when you play the top four clubs. That's one of them. Simple as that. Do you think Frank Lampard before the game knew he was going to change and therefore that cemented it? Or do you think today would have cha changed his mind? I, I think 
I think with the rumors of, of Mendy coming in from, from Ren, mm. I think this would have cemented it. I, they're, already, they're already thinking this needs a change, but that today will go will make them feel Let much better. Let me throw better. one at you, Tim, just before we close. What if he doesn't get another goalkeeper in? What if the money's not right, mm. they can't get one? Mm. What do you do then? Because Kepa obviously looks like his confidence is low. Mm. You get Caballero, does he become the number one? I, I, if, God forbid, I think for Frank Lampard, I think he, he probably goes to Caballero, but they'll, they'll get a goalkeeper in, no doubt, off the back of that. Petr Cech's about to do some work. Yeah, he will. I'm sure he's already doing it. <laughs> Good evening, Frank. We were just discussing the merits of that strike from Rhys James. I bet that had you off your seat. Yeah, good evening. Um, yeah, it did. It did. Um, and we needed it, to be fair, because having just gone 1-0, we won at our best in that period of the game, came out second half, and uh, Reese has got that in him. And he's, he's a player of such quality. When you think about some of the right-backs that are around now, the young English right-backs that we're producing, and uh, they have that extra bit of quality. So you try and get Reese in areas where he can be a real threat for us as well, and that inside position that he turned up in, got a great strike, great quality on him, and uh, he gets a good goal. Great to start with a win, Frank, but how would you assess the performance from your team? I thought we were OK. I really liked the, the, the work ethic and the discipline of the team. I think when you um, analyse the fact that we've been together pretty much as a team for four days after the international breaks, we had a lot of quarantines before that. New signings, Kai Havertz comes into us a week ago from another league, same as Timo, even though Timo's been with us for a while. I think to expect everything to click on day one is going to be uh, very difficult. But what they did do is show a little bit of determination, I thought, today. I thought the two centre-backs were terrific in how they defended as well. Um, that we may be a game that we might have dropped points in last year. And, and that's not the end of the story. I'm not getting excited with that on day one. But it had a little bit of determination and a bit of resilience about it, I thought. Frank, you mentioned the new signings coming in there. You, you'd almost change the system slightly. I think last season you played a lot of 4-3-3, sometimes three at the back. But we saw 4-2-3-1 tonight with the number 10. It was Loftus-Cheek. Is that something we can expect going forward because of the players that you brought in? Or was that just because of the players you had available tonight? I think that one still... I, I don't really want to pin us down to that one. I think we have definitely the capabilities to play that way. We have probably three or four players that would probably want to play number 10 for us, but it can't always be that simple. I want us to be a bit adaptable, and I think when you look at Kai and you look at Mason and you look at Ruben and you look at Ross, we've got a lot of players, Christian Pulisic coming back, Zayic coming back, so I have to work on that one. That's where I want us to be able to look a bit fluid. It might look like a 4-2-3-1 at times, can be a 4-3-3. I want that movement within us, and the players are still working each other out a little bit, and um, I thought today... We weren't as fluid as we could be. We, I didn't think we got the ball between the lines. We ended up being a little bit too high and standing up there, and we couldn't find those passes between the line. I think because we work on it, I want us to have a lot more movement up front than we did today. Frank, Kai Havertz made his uh, debut tonight. What did you make of him on that right-hand side? Yeah, I liked him. I liked, uh, you know, it's not a game that you'd probably come away and go, here are, here are sort of ten vintage moments, but I thought there were moments of real quality and calmness. It's a, it's a big ask. There's a lot on his shoulders for the, for the, the, the signing that he, that he was, the fact that he's young, coming to a different league. He plays the game at such a pace in terms of his quality, how he receives the ball. I thought we sure saw a few, few glimpses of that. We also saw him sprint, sprint back 80 yards to, to make a defensive uh, tackle or interception, um, having given the ball away. So everything I've seen about in terms of his character is spot on and his quality is going to come through. It's asking a lot for him tonight, but I thought we saw glimpses. We're going to see a lot more of him. I think he's a hugely talented young player.
Did we also see signs, Frank, of how threatening Timo Werner can be for you? Yeah, we did. We did, and we know that. And um, I love the the way that Timo pops up in different areas. He's not a front man that attaches to centre back so much. So sometimes he can start from a little bit deeper. But when he goes, he goes. We saw that with the with the burst of pace because I think for the penalty, the ball was slightly overplayed, and he still gets there. And he has that about him, and he's uh, a real hunger to score goals and to be ruthless in those areas. So yeah, I thought we saw a, a lot of signs from Timo tonight of what he's going to bring. Frank, you've got, you've got Liverpool next week, and obviously we, we know for the last couple of years Liverpool and Man City have, have sort of created that gap by getting 95-plus points. I mean, I think me and Gary said before at uh, the top of the show, really, that for yourselves and Manchester United, it's probably a big ask to go and sort of win the title. Is there something in your head where you're also looking at maybe points on the board and, and seeing that improvement as well, really? Yeah, yeah, certainly. I, I think the difficulty for all of us, but particularly ourselves, is that we've, we found ourselves so far behind Liverpool because of how they... Um, they, they took on the first half of last season that you almost become in a race that's far removed from being you know, first so we definitely want to close that gap for the feeling we have to have intentions, ideas that we are going to be up and around it I agree with you, it's a big ask to win the Premier League Liverpool and Manchester City have worked for a while to get teams that are full of individual talent and a real team collective and we're, we're very much behind in that process so I think step by step for us today is a, is a, is a good feeling for us because it wasn't a great performance I'm not going to stand here and say that but we've got the three points I see what you're saying if we can get those points early confidence builds more time to work with the team players coming back from injury and the new signings settling in and hopefully we can make big strides I, I won't make any big commitments now but we certainly want to close that gap I'm just wondering, Frank, if there, if there are to be any more new signings. Um, there's been a lot of talk about potentially a new goalkeeper. Yeah, not at the moment. Not at the moment, no. We're, uh, there's obviously... Uh, some weeks to go till the end of the window. We've got a big squad now as well, so we have to manage that and look at how we move forward in terms of getting the right level of competition within the squad. But no news on that one at the minute. But do you want a new keeper? I'm very happy with Kepper. I thought Kepper today, I think with the shot, I'm not sure if he could have done any better, but I saw a bit more confidence in how he was playing. I'm happy with him. Kepper's here, he's our keeper, and I'm happy with him. If we are bringing in competition, it will be competition. That's the nature of Chelsea, so uh, that goes throughout the squad, so we'll see. Good to talk to you, Frank. We wish you well. We'll Thanks. See you next week. Cheers, lads. Nice speaking to you. Thank you. Fascinating. Frank Lampard talking to the Monday Night Football crew at Sky Sports. Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville and David Jones. He's happy with Kepper. He sounded very determined. He sounded um, mm. resolute about Kepper. Mm. Do you believe him? He started, the, he started the answer by saying, we're not planning on bringing anybody else into the football club at the moment. Then mm. at the back end, he said, but if we do, it'll be for competition. <laughs> <laughs> so I take the if and think, yeah, there's a goalkeeper coming in. Just watch this space. If, Even though he said that? If, if Kepa's going to be at the football club and you're not sure whether you're going to get another one, I've got to tell Kepa that he's the main man and I really, really love him until the moment that he goes out the door at mm -hmm. Beckham. So that just might be a little bit of small, clever management yeah. by Frank. Interesting. He was very impressed, he felt, with the determination, yeah. with the resilience yeah. from his team. Mm. Do you go along with that? Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's looking for the signs... What we know with Chelsea is the football will be good. They'll get goals. Last season, they conceded 54 goals, Rebecca. Mm -hmm. Only kept one clean sheet away from home and lost 12 games. Mm -hmm. Those numbers are too much if you want to be near the top. They talk about closing the gap to level. The, the one bit I loved from there was he said, we have to have intentions, mm -hmm. intentions of being up there with Liverpool and Manchester City. So basically he's saying, we've got to close that gap. And we can't afford week in, week out to be dropping points. We have to win games and get draws when we don't win to be up with the Liverpool and Manchester Cities. Yeah, I took away from that the work ethic and discipline is what he asked for. Like, mm. yeah, the three points on the board, 
they needed. They still. This game needed winning. They can't drop. We, we talked about Man City and the tra- and the trailing pack. Can't drop points when it comes to Liverpool. Next week they have a chance to go to Liverpool, make sure they get a result, whether that be or whether that be um, three points or a point. At least lay down a marker with the best team in the league. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC Podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. I'm Rebecca Lowe. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.